I love ending like that where we connect with the outside to the inside and we have these uh, two dueling services, if you will, and we're all coming together as one. So uh, welcome those that are outside. Welcome to all you inside and everybody that's watching online. Thanks for uh, tuning in with us this morning. we got a special um, Sunday for you. want to just let you know, so we have a number of folks that are here for the first time. We've been in the midst of this fall series called Made for God, and we're examining our identities, our gender, and our sexuality. And so... Um, it may get a little uncomfortable in here. If you've got some younger children that are in here or um, watching outside or online, this is your opportunity to um, leave. The, uh, you know, the, uh, because it may generate some questions and some conversations that maybe you're not ready to have. Um, so I just want you to know that and be prepared for that. We've got uh, all of our middle schoolers sitting in here today with us as well because we think these are important conversations and they're being had outside the church and we think it's important that we have them inside the church as well. So um, we began by talking about identity and really how each of us, so every, every man, woman, and child, every human being is created in the image of God, that we are image bearers of his. And as such, if we're to truly understand who we are, well, we can't do that unless we know who God is. So if we want to know who we are, we have to know who God is. And so the issues that, issues that we have surrounding identity or gender or sexuality are really spiritual issues. They're discipleship issues. And that's why we're talking about it here. Now, um, we have some understandings that we begin with. And so I always want to reiterate those. The first is that we're going to approach this from a biblical perspective. So the Bible's going to be our authority. It's our standard. It's our plumb line. Um, and so if that is not the case for you, that is okay. But you may um, arrive at a different conclusion than we do on some of these issues. But the Bible's going to be our authority. It's from that perspective that we're going to discuss these things. Secondly, this is not about politics. It's not about politics. It's about people. Not, not those people. It's about us. It's not a they versus us. We versus them. No, it, it's all of us. Because we are all sexually broken people. That's just the reality of it. And then um, thirdly, we want to be like Jesus in the midst of this. We want to be full of grace. Full of grace. And full of truth at the same time. And so that's our goal. Now, we've been having these gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 um, to invite anybody that wants to come to just sit around and talk, to share maybe your insights, maybe your questions. It's just an open forum for discussion. And it's really been great. I've gotten so much out of it. And I've really been impressed by the, some of the insights that folks have, specifically from our teenagers our teenagers have been there, and they have incredible insights because they're living this and experiencing this in different ways than, than people like myself are. Um, and so today, I thought it would be important to hear from a couple teenagers so that we know what they're dealing with, what they're going through. And so I've asked um, Jenna Holt and Joshua Club to come on up, so come on up here. And they are um, boldly going to uh, share some things. They are courageous. You know, people joke about this. But if I ever call you, um, unless you want to speak, don't answer. The, uh, <clears throat> that tends to be the deal. But uh, anyhow, I'm so glad you answered and yeah. you are here. So um, 
why don't you guys just begin, just share with folks who, you know, probably don't know you, who you are, what's unique about you, whatever you want to share. Yeah. So my name is Joshua Club. Um, I'm 18. I'm a freshman at Virginia Western, um, and I've gone to Orchard Hills all my life. Um, my mom and my sisters go here too. Um, and about four years ago, uh, my dad died from colon cancer, and so that's been a really uh, tough time for our family. Uh, he was an elder here. Um, so that's kind of where our family's at right now. Um, I'm Jenna Holt. Um, I'm 16. I'm a junior. Uh, my parents are Mark and Brenda. They uh, met at Church of the Holy Spirit, and they know Scott pretty well. Um, my, I have uh, two sisters and a brother, and lots of nieces and nephews. God bless them. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Great. Um, let me think. So tell us, like, when, when were you first exposed to, to matters of, like, gender and, you know, sexuality and struggles with regard to identity? Um, I would say it kind of came up, like, younger when I was younger. Um, it wasn't something, like, you talked about, really, because, like, it, it's sex and you're a kid, so you don't talk about sex. But I do remember um, in sixth grade, we had um, a talk at school. It wasn't like the talk, but it was, this is how the female body works and stuff like that. And they sectioned the classes off. And I do remember that. And um, just growing up, it escalated because me and my class started to grow up. And they st all the boys started to talk about stuff the girls, not so much, but mainly the boys, but. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm really glad that I was able to have a really solid uh, foundation. Uh, so when I was 10, um, my dad and I went on a weekend away, and we talked through a lot of, a lot of the topics that we're talking about in this sermon series. Um, so like, you know, your identity, you know, you know as you're, you know, changing in puberty, um, uh, you know, sex, you know, gender identity, things like that, and grounded in the Bible. So I'm really glad that I had that as the foundation so that as I've been going through my life and hearing other voices and seeing other things, I eventually have been able to ground it back to that. And I've had that as the voice of truth speaking in, you know, at the base level, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, that's great. Have all you guys done that, like taking your kid away at 10 and had these conversations? You know, sadly, very few of us ha have done that with our children, if you have children, and probably even fewer have had that done with us. But I think that's really powerful, and I'm glad your dad and you were able to experience that together. That's pretty cool. Um, so ha have you seen all of this play out in your lives, or maybe not just in, in your lives personally, but even with your peers with regard, again, to, to identity and gender and sexuality? Yeah, so... Probably when I was around 13, I was uh, first exposed to pornography as I was going through puberty and stuff like that. Um, and it, it really got bad around the time that my dad got sick and died. And I was, I was looking just for something to make me feel something. Um, and that was a very readily accessible source of feeling. Um, and so for a while, I like fully just dove into that. And... I knew in the back of my mind that it was wrong, but at the same time, I also really didn't care. So I had like a disconnect where I had this little part of my life was sectioned off. 
Like, God, you can have the rest of this, but this is for me. I'm going to do what I want here. And that really hurt me in the long run. And so recently, um, some friends and I have been talking about things, and we've realized that we have had very similar stories. Because I felt like I was the only person who was going through this. I felt like I was um, less than, or I, I shouldn't have been doing these things. And, you know, that's, I would never want to talk about that and let people know that I was, you know, going through that. Um, but talking to my friends and realizing that a lot of us had very similar stories about trying to find something, and that was where we tried to find it. Um, and so we've been working through that. Um, we have a group that we meet every week, and we're working through, you know, uh, a curriculum, you know, to, to help us, you know, figure out what it is that's making us tick and what it is um, that we're truly yearning for and how we can fulfill that in a more godly way. So. That's really cool. What about you, Jenna? Um, <clears throat> sorry. I would say it wasn't necessarily in school because even though we did talk about things in sixth grade and stuff like that, it main, mainly derived from my youth group. Um, a few years ago, we had an event called Accelerant, and it's a big event, like 1,500 kids come and we all worship God, but not everyone comes to worship God. And there was this one guy, he, um, he was probably 17 or 18, and I was like 13 or 14, um, so this is kind of illegal, but um, he um, started to ask me for things that weren't good, like very sexual things, and I had never been exposed to this. I was completely innocent from all these things. I, and I, I didn't know what to do. And I was pressured, and I, things just happened. And, um, yeah, but he continued to do that for a little while until I finally um, had enough strength to tell him to stop and to go away and that I didn't want him there. And not only there, but it did happen at my school again. It for one person did it, and it was basically the same story. But yeah, that's <clears throat> it's hard to hear, especially you know because we're in the church, and we think that we can protect our children <clears throat> when they're at the church and yeah. from people. I also think it's interesting. <clears throat> so your peers, like in middle school, what what were they struggling with? Were they dealing with these same issues that you were dealing with? I would say so. Many of them talked like they did. Um, and another thing that really sparked up a lot was just, um, you know, pornography and how accepting it was. And like, oh, like if, if you talk about sexual things, if you, if you laugh about that, that's, that's you're ex some people will accept you. But if you didn't, then you kind of were off. And I'm at that place now where I'm kind of off. In a good way. In a, in a good way. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and where, you didn't tell us, so where do you go to school? Um, Roanoke Valley Christian Schools. Um, so she goes to Roanoke Valley Christian. And so I, I wanted you to hear that because while we may want to protect our children, you can't protect them. You've got to prepare them. So we as parents have to be preparing our children because they're going to get exposed mm -hmm. to all of this stuff, whether they're at, you know, don't go to church, go to church, 
go to a Christian school, go to a public school, it, it's going to happen, but we've got to prepare them. And so tell me some of the influences, like how have things like social media or some of the other influences out there affected you or affected your peers? Um, social media has been a huge thing, and I'm sure all of you are aware of some kind of social media platform, but all of them have, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, anything. And the main thing I've seen is um, the sexuality things in terms of like, you have a million different kinds of genders, not really, but like just, you can identify as a chair for goodness sake, it's, it's crazy. And even for a time myself, I felt really pressured to do this. And I also did not have a lot of friends at the time. I had probably one good friend. Um, and I kind of identified as asexual for a few months, which um, being as I went through those things in the past, I wanted to be as far away from sexuality as I could, which in reality didn't actually help because there's a void in us when we start this life and that can only be filled by God. And many kids now are trying to fill it, and even adults, are trying to fill it with something other than God. False happiness, like pornography, you could do the sexual, sexuality stuff. And I tried so many different things, and then I eventually found God, which filled it completely, because that's what's meant to go there. It's kind of like that, that toy that has the different shapes, and you try to put the star in the circle, it's not gonna go in there, because it's not what's meant to go in there. The circle's supposed to go in there. And it took me forever to find the circle. And... Now, you are 16. So <laughs> <coughs> I think you're doing better than most of us. It, here. <coughs> it, was, it was really crazy, because I would say probably 80% of my school is, has been at least exposed or is addicted to pornography. And... 30%, I would say, is still in that sexuality thing, and many of them are middle schoolers, and they're just really confused, and it's really scary. Yeah. One thing that is very different about technology today than it has been in the past, um, really for all of eternity, uh, I mean, not eternity, but like, you know, human civilization, is anyone who has a voice and wants to say something can be heard, and anyone who wants to find information can find it online. So when you're in middle school, when you're like going through the, all these changes and you have questions or you're not sure about whatever, even if you're not actively seeking out answers or questions, just when you're in social media and all this technology, there's gonna be people talking about these things and saying what you should believe, here's how you should feel, here's what you should do. And um, if that's the only voice that you hear or that's drowning out the voice of truth, then that's just what kids are gonna naturally pick up that's what people are naturally just gonna pick up, is just what they're exposed to and what they're surrounded by, whether that be intentionally or accidentally. So. No, that's a great point. So <clears throat> the counterpoint to that is, is the Bible. And so how's the Bible helped you or has it helped you? And how do your peers even view the Bible? Yeah, so one thing that is really great about the Bible is it does talk about a lot of this stuff. It makes it pretty clear as we've been talking through this series of biblical sexuality and what that looks like. And so whenever I've had questions or like internal feelings that are different or, uh, you know, askew, I can look at the Bible and say, okay, well, what does the Bible say about this? 
And there's a disconnect between knowing it consciously, like, okay, this is what the Bible says, this is what I should do, and feeling differently. But if I can start with, you know, speaking the truth of the Bible into my head and just, you know, um, just being in the Word, especially in those areas um, about, you know, sexuality or whatever I'm struggling with at the time, then eventually that'll work its way down into my heart and I'll start feeling that way. So kind of whatever you expose yourself to, that's the voice that'll be speaking into you. So if you have the Bible as your voice and good Christian community around you of people that will lift you up, then that's going to be the voice that's going to be kind of determining your trajectory. I would say, honestly, the best thing for me when I was going through um, my trials was um, I had, I was in a Christian household growing up. Like, my parents played on church. I was always at church because they were there. And I grew up in that environment, and I loved going to church because I, I always thought it was so fun there because there was people, and I learned about God and stuff like that. But once you get into your teen years, you start to really think about stuff because, you know, there's the verse in the Bible that says children, like, can have the, like, they can believe in anything. And they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus will save me? Yeah, sure. It's kind of weird when you get older, you're like, Jesus will save me? I don't know about that. Like, it doesn't make sense, but you honestly consider that. You're like, well, there's hell or there's, there's heaven. Uh, it, it's weird. But um, when, I was, when I was in that, um, it really helped me feel very guilty. And that's good. That was good for me because when you're in it, I mean, like, that's the only thing that kind of helps you get out because you're like, I don't want to want people to look at me weird. I don't want to do that. And now it's even more accepted, so people won't look at you weird. But it really did help me kind of think about what I was doing and be like, is this really right of me to do? I mean, it's late. I, I, I need to be in bed. And it took me a little bit, but I got it. And If it feels normal, then you don't really think about it. And so, like you were saying, like having the Bible as having you know the church as something there as a voice speaking into you, it really it made you think about you know what that was. Yeah, and when I was in the church, however, and that's why we're bringing it up. I'm so glad they're doing this. Is sexual things were never talked about. It's a sensitive subject now. Should it be sensitive? Really? Like, should pornography be a sensitive subject in the church? It's it's a thing. We should be talking about these things. We. I mean, adults have it, single people. I mean, even married couples have it, and they're married. It still, it inflicts everyone. And I don't think churches should be silent about that because so many people in the church are dealing with this, and it's just going over the people's heads. And they're like, oh, that's, that's in the church? No, that, there's no way that could be in the church. There is a way it could be in the church because the devil is trying to inflict the churches. He's trying to get in there. And, and steal people away from God. So he'll, he'll, he'll break the church up any way he can. Well, along those lines, so how has God helped you navigate all of this? Because you guys are getting bombarded with it in ways that clearly I am not and probably some other adults in here are not. So how, how has God helped you navigate through all of this? <clears throat> Me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so one thing that has really been a struggle for me is the Christian uh, walk is not just a box that you check and it's not just something that you show up on Sunday and that's good enough. It's a daily fight 
um, to pick up your cross and follow Christ in his footsteps. And so often I will start my day off on the wrong foot, um, which is any way besides with God is the wrong foot. Um, and so for me, it's just been the matter of uh, training myself to wake up and have Bible time in the morning, regardless of if I feel like it or not. Some days I'll be on fire and I'm ready to read the Bible. I'm ready to be with God. And other days I just, I don't know, I could do without. But my day has a much better trajectory and it's much more Christ-like when I have the Bible as my starting point and when I am spending time with God as the starting point. And there are days where I feel like I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't really need to, you know, spend time with God today. I don't really need to think about that today. I, I just have work to do. I'm going to focus on this. And that usually ends up coming around, you know, to bite me in the butt at some point because <laughs> I'm not focusing on what God has for me. I'm not focusing on staying on his trajectory and I'll, you know, skew astray. So for me, it's just been the struggle of staying on the path and not thinking that I know how to get there, mm-hmm. trusting God and his path. Mm-hmm. It took a little bit for me to realize that a relationship with God is a relationship. It's not one-sided where he gives you everything and you just get to live your life. No. You have to talk to him. Like if you have a friend, you're not going to never talk to them because that's not a relationship. You'll be so distant because you never talk to them. I, I would say you're not even their friend really if you're not talking. But like it took me a second to really grasp that. Um, and I found, as Joshua said, it made my day a lot better um, whenever I talked to him because, well, he's the ultimate source of joy. And again, reiterating, we have a void in us and we have to f- fill it with God. And so getting up every day and you know, reading his word and praying and just meditating with him, like that's the best thing you can do to really start your day. If you want to have a good day, then start it with God. <laughs> Is that a guarantee to a good day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> At least helps keeping it from an awful day, doesn't it? Mm. He does help you navigate, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Keep positivity. Yeah. I, one of the things that I'm curious about, so how have maybe your parents and other adults in your life helped you with you know, dealing with all kinds of things, but specifically with regard to think matters of gender and identity and sexuality? Um, I would say the main adult in my life who's helped me is um, my history and Bible teacher, Mrs. Bartlett. Um, she is such a positive soul. She starts every class saying, do any of you guys need prayer? Because I know I certainly do. And it's, it's really encouraging because she's not trying to be this perfect person in front of us. She is trying to be positive, and she's trying to be that biblical mother for all of us. And it's, she's like the sweetest teacher in my school. And even in ninth grade, when I was really going through all that stuff, um, I honestly really looked forward to her classes. And I didn't know why. I was like, oh, yeah, she's sweet. But now that I look back at it, it's because she really grounded all of her, like, um, lessons in, with God. She talked about God all the time. She, like, even with history, she would say, this is Genesis, this is Revelation, and she would mark where it is in the biblical timeline, Mm. which I think is so cool. Um, Obviously, Genesis being the beginning and Revelation being the end. 
um, of world history. But um, I will say, though, my parents did help with raising me in a very biblical household. It was really sweet, because I grew up loving God, and I never had something, at least the problems that our families had, I didn't really know about. And that's really good as a kid, because I, I had a really good childhood. I didn't have anything happen to me that was bad. I didn't have pornography at the age of eight, which is the average age that pornography is exposed to children now. I'm so glad I didn't have that. I didn't even know what that was at eight, honestly. Yeah. But. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I, like I said, had that good foundation with my dad. Um, but one thing I, I do regret is I, he would come to me and, you know, kind of ask me, like, you know, how are you doing? How are your eyes? How are your thoughts? And I really felt kind of self-conscious. I felt um, scared of what he might think of me. Even though I knew he was trustworthy, I knew he just wanted to help me, and I knew that he had been through similar things. Um, I never really took that step to connect with him in that way. And so now I don't really have that opportunity to do that. But I have been able to connect with my mom and talk about a lot of these same things and, like, you know, dad's experience and what he's learned from a lot of this. Um, and so that, that's been amazing, being able to connect with her and, you know, work with some things, you know, through her. And the other person that's really helped me a lot is uh, my Bible teacher in high school, Mr. Allen. Um, he was one of the first people that, like, was really open, just kind of talking about how this is an issue and just all the different things that, you know, kids today are going through. Because, you know, he's pretty young. Like, he, he went through a lot of the same stuff not too long ago. And so when I was ready to talk about stuff, he was one of the first people I went to because I knew he was trustworthy. I knew that he was going to give me good biblical counsel. And he, he listened to me with care. Um, he uh, really helped me find, like, the first couple steps in the healing direction. That's great. Love to hear those stories. Hey, um, so there's a lot of adults in the room outside and watching online. Um, so what advice would you have for us, those of us who are just just old, you know, and then those of us who may be parents, you know, what can, what can you say to help us navigate this with, if we have children, with them, with just peers? I mean, we're, yeah. the adults in here are dealing with this stuff as well. It just looks a little differently than what you're dealing with. Yeah, I'll go by age. So for, for the kids, <laughs> um, for your own kids and for the kids around you, um, make sure that subjects like sexuality and just different topics aren't a sensitive thing. So I, the thing I've seen is like with his Bible teacher, my Bible teacher, any other person that's helped somebody through these things, they're a trustworthy source. And that's one thing that kids want because if they have something they're going through, they're not gonna wanna spill it to some teacher who's gonna tell the whole world about it because for the time being, they just, they want like a counselor setting. Like, this is what I'm going through. I just need help. And be that to, if you don't have kids, to other kids. And for your kids, as I said, to them. Um, for parents specifically, make sure that you're monitoring your younger ones, like iPads, phones, stuff like that. Um, like, you know, having, um, a safe search on there, um, being accountable for what they're doing, make sure they're 
not having any inappropriate apps or anything um, because that's normally what leads astray. Um, and you certainly don't want your kids being exposed to pornography at such a young age. And yeah. I think another point as well, like you definitely want to make sure you have those precautions and protections in place. You don't want to give your kids free access to devices. Mm -hmm. Like I see so many kids like in Walmart or whatever, like you know, their parents are shopping or whatever and they're just glued to a screen. It's like God created us to be in the world, not to be you know, attached to a screen. So I think like technology is a good tool that we have and we want to make sure that we're using it well. Um, and overusing it. Yeah, not overusing it and making sure that there's good uh, guidelines in place when we use it and when our kids use it. The other thing is, even as much as you try, your kids are gonna be exposed to stuff because that's just the world today. Yeah. You know, we've both been to private school. I was homeschooled most of my life and we were both still exposed to this stuff. That's just how the world is. Okay. So building that connection point with your kids and getting to the point where they can trust you and they can talk to you about things that they're going through, about struggles that they have, about how they're feeling, um, and letting them know that you care and that you wanna to listen to them. Not just like telling them every little thing that they need to do, but Kids want to have someone that will listen to them. They want to be accepted. Don't feel like you failed at a, as a parent because your kids have been exposed to these things. You can try with all of your might to make sure that they never see it. They will find a way to find it if they get desperate enough. Because I know certainly me and Josh, some things can be taken off. You can do whatever you want to get into certain things. And it's don't think your kids aren't smart, because they are really smart. They are really, really, really smart, at least in this, because, as I said, they will get desperate. I know you're not in this generation, but I know you've felt those same feelings before, because we're all humans. We all feel those things, and as we've said, everyone is sexually broken. I can 100% bet I could talk to any one of you, and you could tell me about at least one situation in your life where it's been related to something sexual and you've been like that. And going off technology and stuff like that, like the bad thing about it is um, a little while ago, it took forever to get your hands on like a pornographic magazine. Now you can search it up anywhere. There's ads on TV, um, YouTube, anywhere. Everyone carries it in your pocket, and you can get to it with like three clicks. Yep, and you don't even have to have an age verification for some of these things. It's really, really bad. And it's also the main cause of like human trafficking and child pornography. A lot of people have actually been able to get to kids to, get, to send them things, like not good pictures. It's really, really, really sad that it's going on in this world and it's going on in the church. So along those lines, what advice would you have for, so we have a lot of young folks in here right now and again, outside and watching online. What, what advice do you have for them to help protect themselves and, and also to find just the healing that we all so desperately need? Think about your future. Really, really think about it. Are you gonna be wanting to go through these kinds of things when you're married? Are you gonna to wanna to have to talk to this with your spouse? Hey, I'm addicted to pornography, is that okay? No, they're not gonna be okay with that, unless they're insane. But like, 
really think about how this is going to impact your future because, yeah, you're getting a little bit of pleasure for like a moment. But it doesn't last. It doesn't last. God lasts, which is a good thing. Um, marriage lasts, and if you want to break your marriage, then go ahead, do your thing. I'm not stopping you. But really, really, really think about that. Also, yes, parents, set your little precautions for your kids. But for teenagers and for adults, keep yourself accountable. If something happens, if you slip up, have a game plan. Make sure you, like, maybe get a different kind of phone so you can't, like, get on different apps. Like, get a flip phone for, like, a month or something like that. Have something to discipline yourself so you won't do it again. Set, like, a really early bedtime or something, like 9 o'clock or something, <laughs> or 7. Or, or <laughs> and for some of us in the room, maybe 5. But, like, just something just that you know you're going to despise, but that's good. And replace the time that you spent probably doing whatever you were doing, being in the Word, being with God. It's like fasting. So just fast from your phone and don't go back to it. Yeah. One thing that um, I really, um, I felt at one point um, when I was just exhausted and I was tired of just dealing with this, you know, pornography addiction was I realized in my mind, I was sitting in my car one night, and I realized the, the path that I was on, the trajectory that I was on. Like, I knew in my mind I wanted to have what my parents had. I wanted to have, like, a good, loving, biblical marriage. I wanted to have kids that I could love. But the path that I was on was not going to lead to that. It was leading to sexual depravity. It was leading to destruction of my body, of my mind, and my, the way that I viewed people, the way that I viewed God, the way that I viewed the world. The path that I was on was not leading anywhere good. It promised life. It promised satisfaction and fulfillment. But I could see very clearly the actions I was taking were leading to destruction. But I knew in my mind all along the path that God has for me is good. I can see the steps that he has. I know what the Bible has, the policy about this. Um, and I see the satisfaction and the joy and you know, the, the lasting marriages that this path produces. And at the time, I was kind of trying to take both paths and weave them together. And you can't do that. You can't just make a third path through the middle road because you're not going to be able to um, experience either path fully. Both paths promise life, but only this path can actually produce life. And if you try to compromise and be in the middle, you're not going to be able to have any of the satisfaction of either paths, and you're certainly not going to have the lasting satisfaction of the path that God has planned for you. And then the other thing is, there's two lies that the, that the devil told me that I think he tells a lot of people today. And the first one is that you're alone, and that you're the only person dealing with these things, and you're the only person that feels this way and thinks these things, and that's not true. Um, the statistics are insane how many people uh, deal with pornography, deal with sexual and gender identity. Um, and the devil wants to divide people wherever he can. He wants to cut people off, from the group and deal with them individually because it's so much easier if people are alone. But if people can stand together, they're much harder to get to. Um, and then the other lie that he tells is that you need to get healing before you can be close to God or close to others. When in reality, in the church is the only place where healing actually happens. So 
don't feel like you're the only person dealing with this and don't feel like you need to get right before talking to people about this because talking to people about this is where you're going to find that healing that you're looking for. I really, I see it all the time because in the church, the world has the view that the church is this holy little place and everyone in it has to live by these big ideals and all of them are perfect when in reality everyone is broken and we're all not level with God. We are down there. No one can All the way down there. Yeah, we are nowhere near perfect. And the thing is, is when you go out into the world, that's, as I said, that's what they're gonna think. And so you cannot expect the world to think that the church is a safe place to come. It, it is if you have people that know what people are going through and can accept we're all broken. And you need to meet people where they are and not make them change and then meet them because, oh, they're good now. But, yeah. Yep. Seek healing now. Don't wait. Don't try to push this off into the future because every time that something like this happens in your life, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. It's easy to say this is the last time. Um, it's easy to say I'll fix this at some point. Um, that's what the devil wants you to think. The reality of it is God wants you to find healing now. Yep. So. It's going to go on for years. Well, I so appreciate you guys sharing. I, when I get older, I want to be like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you'll my, get there uh, one day. No, that's my goal when I grow up, if that ever I'm happens. Joking. But uh, thank you guys so much for sharing. Yeah. You know, as, as I've been hanging out with them on Tuesday nights and just listening to this as well, I, I was just reminded. So, again, I've, I've known Joshua since he was born, and I remember dedicating him and baptizing him. And, you know, when we dedicate our children around here, there's a, a, a proverb, Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. And then we make a commitment as a body to come alongside of the parents, to come alongside of the children to do just that. And so I just want to commend, you, you know, um, Kathy and the clubs, but commend you all for coming alongside of them in different ways. And that's what we're called to do. I was also convicted, like, as a parent, I haven't done the best of jobs um, with regard to this. I haven't created open conversations and made it something that's not taboo. I, I want my children to feel comfortable because